We are going to look mostly at the life of Jesus and, um, and scriptures are about Jesus' perspective on things and, and what he did and talked about and lived and commissioned. And um, I feel like that is so important to, to simply center around the, basically the theology that Jesus had, the way that he lived, what he modeled, what he told other people to do. And let that, let that be the framework, the, the lens that we view our lives, that we view the rest of the scriptures by, um, and everything. Um, and, and yeah, the scripture, it's gotta be our framework. It's gotta be the standard that everything is measured by. Like, it's not just like, oh, you know, the Bible's great and it applies to my life. Like, no, the Bible is the source of all of this. The Bible is the very framework, the very structure that we, we view objective reality through. Um, and our lives come and are submitted fully under the word of God. We don't, we don't use scripture to make a point. We don't interpret scripture through our experience. Our experience is interpreted through scripture. Scripture has the ultimate authority over our lives. And um, I, want us, I want us to listen to the word tonight as if we're hearing it for the first time again with all of our, our lenses, our filters, our like been there, done that kind of dismissal that I fall, fall into sometimes reading or listening to the word. I want us to let it to, to come to, to the word with the reverence that it deserves, the, the awe of this is the written word of God. Like this is, this is everything. This, this reveals and, and, and gives definition to the God of the universe. Uh, it, it's amazing. <laughs> and it, it's funny that um, the, the charismatic often, um, I've never actually seen this before, but often there's this perspective that it's like, oh, either you've got like the charismatic crazy stuff um, or you've got like biblical centered theology. It's like, man, have you ever read the Bible? Like, this is where all this stuff comes from. Read it. it. It's all there. This is the whole reason we're doing this is because the Bible tells us to do it. So if we're going to be a biblical, Bible-centered church, we've got to have, there's going to be some real wild stuff, you know? <laughs> it's crazy in there. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> So we'll talk about healing, and I really believe that, that basically all of us here um, really want to be used, either have been used, are being used, or really want to be used to minister in healing. Um, and, and that maybe most of us just haven't stepped out very much in it, don't have a lot of experience, haven't been taught, are, are kind of scared of it. Um, but I really believe all of us really want this um, because it's amazing. Um, because healing is beautiful. It's, uh, it's this nugget, this like fully packaged nugget of the gospel um, that carries all in its own little packaging, like the love of God, the power of God, the reality, the faithfulness, the redemptive nature. Um, it, it communicates all of that in one like experiential thing. Um, and it, it's amazing. It, it's, as we read the Gospels especially, we find that healing is not this, um, this add-on. Um, it's really, really central to the Gospel. It's really central to the life of Jesus, to the way that he operated, um, it, to the way that the, the Gospel was proved, but also to the Gospel itself, to the content of the Gospel, to, to bring definition to the love and reality of God. Um, and so I'm gonna, I want to look at a few things in the life of Jesus. We're going to look at his, his ministry. Um, we're going to look at um, 
what he says about it, which is really cool. We're going to look at what he told his disciples to do. Um, and then we'll look at his name, which is a little bonus we'll throw in there. So let's start looking at the, the earthly ministry of Jesus. Um, as we read it, you'll notice really quickly that he is healing all the time. Every scenario he goes into, whatever he's doing, he's like just on a walk somewhere. Well, he's healing as he's going on that nice little walk. Like he, he, he just never stops really. And um, according to what we have recorded, obviously we don't know what's not recorded, uh, but I think it's really dangerous to make presumptions about the gospel based on what the Bible doesn't say. I think the Bible is very complete. And what's not in it, we don't need to worry about what's not in it. We need to look at what is in it and what the Bible does say. Because he didn't omit something on accident, you know. Um, it says that everyone that came to him was healed. So there's a bunch of passages. One of them, Matt 9.35, says, Healing every disease and sickness. Luke 6.19 says, People all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. That's a wild thing to think about. Like, Imagine right now if like someone's standing in the center of a room and power is coming off of that person, literally radiating off of them, healing everyone. That's crazy. That's New Testament gospel right there. <laughs> Jesus was, he was known for healing. It was part of his reputation. John 8.2 or 6.2 says a great crowd of people followed him because they saw, because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. And then in Matthew 15, 30, it says, Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. That's so cool. This is, this is why people came to him. They, they got the kingdom preaching after that, but the main reason they were drawn was because miracles were there. Um, as we read the rest of the life of Jesus, we find in every recorded instance, every single recorded instance of him being a, even near sickness, that sickness is healed. He loves to heal. There's not a single, I, I honestly, I'll read every single verse where it talks about Jesus uh, being next to a sick person and not healing them. All right, I just finished. That was it. <laughs> There's none of them. I don't want to be facetious, but it's really important that we recognize that the only model we have for how to respond to sickness in the life of Jesus is healing. It's the only model. Now, we can presume about what happened, about scenarios where there might have been a story where there wasn't, but the fact is, the word is very clear. In every recorded instant, every story of Jesus where sickness is mentioned as being around him, that sickness is healed, every single one. Even people that didn't even ask to heal, ask to be healed, were healed. We see the, the disabled man at the pool of Bethesda. I'm not going to read the, the whole thing. <clears throat> but Jesus approaches him. He didn't even ask him. He says, do you want to be healed? He says, uh, you know, I guess, you know, he's like, he seems like he's kind of taken aback by his response. And then Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. <clears throat> One of my favorite stories of Jesus is the, the funeral procession of uh, the widow's only son, is what the Bible says in Luke 7, 11 through 16. 
As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and he touched the bier they were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. Oh, that's amazing. She didn't ask that. No one asked him, Jesus, go heal that, you know, please do this. He just saw the widow and his heart was moved. And, and he went and, and he just destroyed this funeral. It's amazing. <laughs> There's only one story in the Bible, in the, in, in the Gospels. Um, about someone that wasn't healed. And uh, it was about, it was the, the boy with a demon that had epilepsy and um, the disciples couldn't heal him. Um, but then Jesus comes on the scene and uh, what does he do? He rebukes his disciples <laughs> for having a lack of faith. Uh, not, not the boy, not his father. Quick side note, Jesus never rebuked the father for having lack of faith. He rebuked his disciples for having a lack of faith. And then he healed the boy. This would have been a great scenario for Jesus to say, oh, this um, is here for this father to be taught holiness and patience. But no, he healed him. And in Matthew 17, 18 through 20, he talks about it. He says, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Jeez, that's crazy. Even when people weren't immediately healed, there's a story where, where a person isn't fully healed when Jesus prays for them. Jesus keeps going, expecting them to be healed. Um, so in, Ma in Mark 8, 23 through 25, he encounters a blind man. It says, he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes, we don't teach that here, <laughs> and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Not fully healed. It's like 50% healing right there. That gives me a lot of encouragement right there. <laughs> Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. That's amazing. Okay, um, I want to, so that was looking at, at what Jesus did, at his ministry on earth, um, which is, is just amazing, the stories and the consistency that we see him ministering that time and time again. I want to I look at what he actually talks about, what he says about healing. And sometimes he references it explicitly, and sometimes it's in the context of a different conversation. But it, 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 you'll see what I mean. It really clearly talks about healing. And it, um, so in Luke 6, 9, there's the man with a shriveled hand that comes to the, uh, the, the temple, and Jesus heals him right there on the Sabbath, and all the disciples are super upset. Um, and then Jesus says, then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy it? He just healed someone, and then he says, what's lawful, to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy it? Jesus is defining healing as doing good and saving life. Not, not an arbitrary act 
of the mysterious plan. You know what I mean? Um, let's look at Luke 13, 15 through 16. This was when he healed the woman who was crippled. And again, it was, it was a Sabbath encounter. And they were upset at him again. Then the Lord, the Lord answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? That's amazing. He defines healing again as being set free. He defines this condition of sickness as something that Satan bound this woman with. And he, he even references it in the same breath, same few sentences, as, as untying your, your ox and leading it to water. Water, something crucial. In uh, Luke 14, there's a man with swelling that he healed, again on the Sabbath. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. Jesus says it's the same thing as a father whose son or daughter has fallen into a well and him pulling them out. Like something that no father would hesitate my, my son just yesterday fell down the stairs at his grandma's house, and, and I haven't moved that fast in a long time. <laughs> the second I heard, like, the slinky, like, thump, 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 thump. <laughs> I, I bolted, I sprinted there, and I, I scooped him up. He wasn't in a well, he just was at the bottom of the stairs, and I ripped him up, and I held him. I, I didn't sit there and consider, like, should he learn from this? You know, like, I wonder if he's hurt long enough to learn his lessons about patience and not playing next to the stairs. No, I threw myself at him. I, I, I held him in compassion, trying to make sure he's okay, trying to show him that daddy was here. That's the way that, that God thinks of healing. That hits me right there. Um, this isn't Jesus, but this is Peter preaching in, uh, in Acts 10.38. He says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. This is one of the, the most, the best scriptures about healing that, that's out there. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. What did being anointed by the Holy Spirit lead to? Doing good and healing presented together, doing good. All who are under the power of the devil. Again, showing the devil is a big part of, of sickness and pain and suffering being in the, the planet, the earth right now. Because God was with him. The presence of God being part of that. Um, lastly, let's look at the Canaanite woman and her daughter in Matthew 15, 26. Um, the, the woman came to ask Jesus to heal her daughter. Jesus responds uh, with... What would seem pretty callous, but um, what I believe is a way to draw out her faith, give her a way to, to step up and exercise faith. Um, and and, and he says, "Is it not right to take? It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to dogs." It's a whole other sermon here about what that means. But in the context of healing, he's talking about healing here, and then he talks about the children's bread. 
something so fundamental to life, something so rightful that, of course, a father is going to give his children their daily bread. Like, no father is going to withhold that to train their children that it's okay to be hungry. No. <laughs> Nick, do you, have you ever withheld food from your kid to teach him a lesson? I hope not. <laughs> no. That, that is a sadistic thought. <laughs> that a father would withhold that from his child. No. And Jesus, Jesus references that, like the children's bread and give to dogs. No, of course not. This is the children's bread. Um, and, and so that's, those are a lot of verses that show that, that Jesus talking about healing and defining it and, and showing the value that he puts on it, showing it what he equates it to in his mind of doing good, saving life, rescuing a son or a daughter from danger, um, breaking the hold of the enemy, destroying works of darkness is what it refer to um, later, being set free, um, these are all good things, by the way. <laughs> um, and that, that's what Jesus thinks about healing. Um, okay, I, I want to look now. What did he tell his disciples to do? Um, so he, we see what his life looked like. We see him define healing through his own words. Um, now, there's a lot of commandments, both like official commandments that he gave, as well as instructions he gave to his disciples. Um, so let's look at, at all of those commandments, basically, um, and see what those all entailed. Uh, Matthew 10, 7 through 8 was when he sent out the 12. He said, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Okay, I guess we're done, <laughs> right? <laughs> Do I need to say anything more? He, he says, as you go, preach the kingdom of God, heal the sick. Freely you have received, freely give. Basically, I give you my power, my authority, my presence, freely. Now you go out and you give that away through healing and deliverance. And they went and they did that. Um, in Luke 9, we have him sending out the 12. Um, I'm not sure if this, is, maybe Bill can tell me if this is the same event or a separate event of the 12 being sent out. I'm not entirely sure, but it's a different, um, different set of passages. Um, Luke 9, 1 through 2, he says, When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Again, commissioned to do two things. Proclaim the kingdom, heal the sick. Those two things are very interlinked, by the way. Uh, when he sends out the 72, so those that, of us that are convinced that only the 12 disciples healed, here he is sending out 72 other people that were not his disciples, not the 12 uh, apostles. When you enter, this is Luke 10, 8 and 9, by the way. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. I like that. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Heal the sick who are there, tell them the kingdom is near. That is, is such a simple commandment right there. 
Um, and now let's look at, at the, uh, the great commissions here. One in Matthew 28, 20. I'm just going to cherry pick a, a passage from it. Um, he said, among other things, he says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Everything I've commanded you uh, would definitely include the main commandments and commissions he gave them when he sent them out um, from his presence. Um, and then in Mark 16, um, Peter's commission, um, and, and these signs will accompany those who believe. I think we would be considered those who believe, um, hopefully. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will not pick up snakes. They, they will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. And then in, in John um, 14, 12, uh, he has a promise to believers. This is a commission. It's a promise. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So that is what he told his disciples in the 72 when he commissioned them to go out on these mission trips, when he sent them out into the world. That's what he told them to do. Um, I, that was all of it, by the way, too. That wasn't like one-tenth and then the rest of it was to go and be godly. That was the entirety of the, the passages about him commissioning his disciples. Uh, with, with the exception of that great commission, which I cherry-picked. Um, and, and so it's very clear that he has empowered us. He says, I give you power and authority to cast out demons and to heal sicknesses. And he has commissioned us to do this. Go, heal the sick who are there. Tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Both of these things we have. We have the empowerment, which is the presence of Jesus with us, which is the presence of the healer, the authority and power that, that he has, that he's given us, and the commission, the, the, the invitation to go out and represent Jesus, to represent his life on the earth. And a huge part of that, not the entirety, we don't need to form a, a, a doctrine that says everyone must be healed or you're, you're not saved or something like that. <clears throat> something like that, but it's a huge part of it. And, and lastly, a little bonus, um, let's look at his name. One of his names is, I am the God who heals you. One of, one of the very defining characteristics, traits of, of God from the Old Testament, out of all the things he could have defined himself to be, there's only a few things he said, this is who I am, by putting them in his name. And one of them was, I am the God who heals you. I am not the God who gives sickness. Okay. Oh, man, this is fun. Okay, so that, that is all I'm going to cover in the New Testament about the life of Jesus and his perspective, operation, and uh, commandments about healing. I want to look now at, um, at the how. How did Jesus do these things? How did he heal people? Um, how did he receive the power to heal people? Um, some of this has to do with healing. Some of it is just ministry in general. Um, I'm going to talk, I'll talk about his, uh, his limitations, what he operated out of, um, his, his prayer life, fasting, following his in submission to the Holy Spirit, um, and then his identity. 
Uh, and so, first of all, we need to be really clear that Jesus, the things he did, the miracles he did, the healing, the prophetic, the, you know, killing a tree randomly, <laughs> um, <laughs> all of that he did operating as a man, as a human being with the limitations of being a human. The Bible is very clear that he set aside his, defin- his divinity. He was fully God, yes, but as we know, also fully man. Romans 1.3, we see it say, regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David. Philippians 2, 6 through 8, which is a really classic one, says, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Hebrews 2, 17. For this reason, he, ha- he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. This is, a, this is huge. If Jesus had access to something more than what we had access to, he was not a, an actual substitute sacrifice. It is so crucial to our salvation and redemption that we understand that he had to be like us in every way, subject to his Bible. I'm not going to, there's like, so, I have literally five pages straight of verses that I've found about this. Just solid, wall to wall. Talking about how, how he had, he was tempted in every way we were. He was subject to our, our same experience of life. He didn't have access to this greater power than we do because he was God. He had access to it because he surrendered to God, because he submitted to the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at what he did um, in that light in a minute here. Um, so he operated as a man with all of humanity's limitations. Um, something else he did was he, we see him constantly going and getting away in prayer, sitting with the Father morning and night. Uh, we see in, in Luke 5:16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Mark 1:35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And Mark 6:46, after saying goodbye to them, Jesus went up to a mountain to pray, and that the context of that was the evening. Not only did he pray, but um, we can see um, he. Either he fasted or he had a value for fasting because uh, when the disciples couldn't drive out the demon, um, one of the things he says when they said, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out by by prayer and fasting. In the moment, Jesus didn't sit down and fast for 10 minutes. (laughs) He had a lifestyle, what I believe was a lifestyle of fasting and prayer that, that allowed greater authority to be exercised through his life. And then one of the big ones here. He followed the Father in the Holy Spirit in the moment. And again, I've got literal five pages of of verses, and I had to just cut everything out. (laughs) Um, John 5, 19 through 20 says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. 
because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. I'm just going to repeat that again, because that's just one of my lifelong live-by verses. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. He's talking about Jesus. He's talking about himself, how he can do nothing by himself. But he submits to the Father, uh, to being led by the Spirit in the same way that, that we can. John 12, 49, For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. Again, he's in submission as he's, as he's doing these things. John 6, 38, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 5, 30, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. So we see Jesus, again, that's a fifth of, of what I, I could have talked about there. We see him constantly in submission to the Holy Spirit, to the Father, talking about how I, I didn't do this on my own. I followed the leading of God. I, I did what I was told to do. These things are not my own. These, these works are the works of the Father. Um, and, and then we see he knew his identity as a son. He knew that he was one who was filled by the Holy Spirit. John 14, 10 and 11 says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. So the miracles, the healings, were evidence that Jesus was in the Father and the Father was in him. And we can say the exact same thing. We are in the Father and the Father is in us through the Holy Spirit. Luke 14, 18, one of the, the great passages about the Messiah, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. And John 8, 28 and 29, I can do nothing, I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Again, just over and over, Jesus talking about how he's not doing these things on his own. He's following the leading of the Father and the Holy Spirit. He, these, the words, the power, the healings are coming not from himself as a man, but coming through him from the Father and the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to get into all the verses about our call um, to, to be like Jesus, to follow him. Um, if you want, you can just send me an email. I'll literally send you the five pages just straight of these verses that blew my mind. Um, but in essence, to summarize, as he is in this world, so are we. We're called to follow him. We're called to do what he did as disciples. We have access as sons of God, as daughters of God, we have access to the very same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the very same Holy Spirit that he had access to when he demonstrated all of these things on the earth. There's no difference in, in the access that we have to the Father than what Jesus had. He said, in the same way that the Father loved me, he loves you. 
So our job is, uh, is to let the, the truth of, of the word come in and convict our hearts and, and settle on us and not, not dodge it, not push it off. I've heard that before. You know, that's great stuff. It's not enough to simply have a theology that these things are real. Um, we, we need our lives to reflect it. We need our lives to be transformed and, and convicted. A practical everyday belief needs to reflect this, not just what we nod our heads to at church. And, and this doesn't come just from muscling our, our pure obedience to the word. That's definitely a part of it. I mean, you've got to just bite the bullet sometimes and, and choose to obey. Like, never discount that. <laughs> like, we're not just waiting for the inspiration to obey. You've you got to obey. If my son told me, oh, I'm not going to obey you right now, Daddy, because, you know, I don't, I don't feel your love. Like, buddy, you're getting spanked. <laughs> like, you've you got to obey whether you feel like it or not, man. But spending time with the Lord to receive his heart, to receive the, the imprint of his nature on our nature is where the, the grace, the blessing comes from um, to follow these things. It's part of the obedience, you know. We were never made to obey the Lord outside of his presence, outside of this active, every moment connection and, and flow of life. It was actually made to be impossible. <laughs> it's one of the reasons that the law was there, to show us that we were sinful, to show us that we were separated from God and that we needed to be saved and restored to a connection with God where we'd actually be able to receive life that enabled a life of righteousness and power. So as, as we're with him, our nature begins to conform to his. We begin to have his thoughts. We begin to have his emotions. And, and, and we just, we become like him, you know? And it's during those times that, that I get the most transformed. Um, it's during those times that, that my desires are aligned to his I desire to, fill, to, to follow his commands. I desire to live out a life that, that honors him. Mm. Jesus, would you give us your spirit right now? Encounter us, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. If I can leave us with, with anything tonight, um, it's not going to be just like, you guys better go pray for people. Like, just do it. That's what we got to do now. You can see it's good. Go do it. Um, maybe a little bit of that. But um, <laughs> it, it, would be, um, it would be a stirring of our hunger um, to, to get alone with the Father, to get filled with his, his spirit, with his power, with his perspective, with his voice. Because that's what we were made for, and and not so that we could, so that we can go out and see the sick healed and be these great sons and daughters, but because we crave Him, because we long to be to be filled with Him, to be in, in deeper connection with Him, then we realize, 
as a, as a symptom of that, we're going to be filled with power. We're going, going to have a, a connection with the Lord that leads to these things happening that, that we saw Jesus do. But we recognize that we were made to gaze on one thing and one thing only, and that's the beauty of Jesus. And that is where all of this ministry comes from. It's where all of, of the works of the kingdom come from, is, is the one thing to gaze on the beauty of Jesus. And so uh, it's so important that we, we're with him with an open, with a hungry, with a receptive, with an engaged heart. Not just getting away and spending the time so that we spent the time and reading the chapter so that we read the chapter and hoping that that bears fruit, but, but coming and letting our hearts be accountable to his voice. Coming and, and letting the word read into us and, and correct us and convict us. Letting this be a real and costly relationship. And then as, as we're filled more and more with, with Jesus, with, with the, the manifestation of Jesus, he loves people. He loves to heal. And our, the risen Jesus in us is going to be leading us out, is going to be reaching out and healing people through us. That's just what happens when Jesus is around it, people get healed. So next week we're going to go into um, some like impartation stuff, maybe surrendering some stuff, because I could go into another half an hour here, but uh, Henrik has to get his kids home. <laughs> <laughs> But guys, it's so, I mean, yeah. I was about to just like repeat everything I just said. <laughs> it's so important to be with Jesus. <laughs> practice, get out there and practice. Just step out, step out, lay your hands on someone. A lot of us just haven't stepped out and laid hands on people because maybe we've, we've never like seen it happen. We've never really been a part of that or witnessed a miracle. We've got ministry teams up here every single week. Zach, you'd never seen a miracle. You came up. You saw one, what, last week? Two weeks ago for the first time? That's awesome. Dude, Zach's a baller. <laughs> he had no experience. He's just hungry to, to be a part of what Jesus is doing and um, got to see Jesus heal through him. And that's amazing. That's what the New Testament church is like. Come and be on a ministry team. Get hungry. Get desperate. Um, go out on the streets. Go to Walmart. There's a lot of people at Walmart that need Jesus. <laughs> little, little more than our admire, probably, you know? <laughs> totally kidding. Meyer is dead. <laughs> uh, but you may be totally honest, it's way easier to see people healed outside of the church than inside the church. Way easier. I have no idea why. I can give you a lot of um, guesses, but I don't know. End of the day. Um, if you're looking for some teaching on how to, here it is right here. Find out what the problem is. Oh, hey, I saw you were limping. What's wrong with your leg? They say, oh, I, uh, I sprained it last week. Skateboarding. I don't know. You go, okay, can I... Um, I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus loves to heal people. Would you mind if I prayed for it? And they'll go, 
Oh, um, sure, okay. I don't really believe that. And you go, that's okay, I do. I, he still wants to heal you. <laughs> you go, okay. <laughs> and you go, okay, Jesus, uh, what the heck do I do now? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Jesus will then speak to you. He'll tell you, just tell it to be healed already. Or he'll tell you, uh, just so you know, this one is connected to some, there's some childhood trauma that I want to deal with first. Ask him about their dad, you know. Um, and then you just go, okay, Lord. Hey, um, did something happen between you and your dad when you were younger? And um, they'll go, oh, my gosh, how did you know that? <laughs> and then you say, okay, God, now what do I do? <laughs> I'm not a psychologist. <laughs> what do I do? And um, you rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. Ask the Lord what to do. He'll tell you. You do it. Ask the Lord what to do. He'll tell you. You do it. And eventually, he'll tell you to pray for them to be healed. You pray for them to be healed. You say, in Jesus' name, I command that knee to be healed right now. Holy Spirit, I release your presence. Go. And then ask him to check it out. Say, hey, um, could you do something that you, you couldn't do before? Like, test out the pain. And they'll go, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I could all, it would always hurt whenever I did this. Oh, my gosh. What did you do to me? <laughs> I've seen that happen so many times. We saw it. Yeah, a guy at Ivanhoe's that was acting like a pirate for some reason. We didn't know it was Talk Like a Pirate Day. We were just like, this is a weirdo, man. <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> oh, whatever. He's like, he's got this cane, you know? And we were like, he did the exact same thing. Hey, man, saw you have a cane. What's going on? And he had, what was it? Was it Lyme's or? It was Lyme's disease. Lyme's disease. Yeah, of, of, you know, a decade or something of, of being hobbled in his knee. We're in the, in the line at Ivanhoe's. It was a long line, so we had a lot of time, thankfully. And we're like, hey, do you mind if we pray for it? You know, we've seen the Lord heal a lot of people. And he's like, well, are sure, matey. And we're like, okay, all right, dude. Just <laughs> shut up already and let us pray, okay? So we start praying for it. And okay, Holy Spirit, uh, go do your thing. I don't know what you do. Just go heal it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And we're like, oh, try it out. He's like, well, it's always be hurting if I do. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what? <laughs> Hold on a second. And he starts, like, doing this. And he's like, what? What just happened? What did you do? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of a different guy. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. He went down, and then he just stays there like this for, like, a 30 seconds. And we're like, what do we do now? <laughs> Uh, we just so we're like, all right, we'll just we'll just chill. We got another five minutes in line here, and uh, and then he finally looks up and it's like there's tears coming down his face. He's like, I I couldn't do that. Oh my gosh! And and he was totally healed right there. And half an hour later, he's walking out of the out of Ivanhoe's and he's got his cane above his head doing this. <laughs> it was amazing. It was so cool. So many stories of that kind of stuff. Okay. Let's wrap this up. Jesus, Lord, we, uh, we surrender ourselves to you. We surrender ourselves to your presence. We surrender ourselves to your grace and affection, to your word. Lord, come and move on us, God. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your power. Draw us into deep connection and submission and surrender to you. Lord, we want to be used. We want to see your kingdom come in power. And um, Lord, we, we just believe that's what you want. Even more than we want it, God, we know that you want it. You demonstrated it. You, you 
commanded us out. So thank you, Lord, for that opportunity. Mm. Bless you, Jesus. Amen.